somebody was like, why does she need 16 ounces? That's too much pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to GVEC Unplugged, a podcast made by employees for employees. Hear interviews and discussions with coworkers. Stay informed about GVEC news and projects and catch up on the latest happenings at the co-op and more. Let's get started. Hey, GVEC team. Thanks for tuning in to the award-winning GVEC Unplugged podcast. You've got HR representative Sherry Johnson here today, and we have cooked up a great episode for our listeners. I'm joined by staff writer Lauren Kreidler, vegetation control manager Jeff Siegel, and talent acquisition specialist Megan Zella. Thanks for joining us today. How are y'all doing? Good. How are you? Good. Doing great. Good. All right. So thanks for being here today, everyone. I'm excited to hear about your skills in the kitchen. And you're also going to help settle some great debates like pineapple on pizza. All right. We'll find out. Let's get into it. So Lauren, why don't you tell me a little bit about what your specialty is and your favorite go-to dish? I don't know if I have a specialty. Um, I bake a lot because I started baking because when my kids were little and we were pretty poor that <laughs> we did, I needed some teachers gifts and co-workers gifts and so I started making my mom's snickerdoodles and then my grandma's sheet cake and stuff and I think my sisters told me I was good at it because that way I would bake for all the holidays and they wouldn't have to. <laughs> That's a a clever way to compliment someone to get out of doing some work. Yeah, compliment, (laughs) quote unquote. So Megan, tell us what you're here for today. Uh, I'm here because I have used uh, several of the uh, meal kit services, you know, like HelloFresh, Blue Apron, things like that. So I'm just going to share my insights on those. That's great. So for our listeners who are not home cooks, or think that they enjoy cooking, this will still be for you. You can take away some tips on meal kits or um, shortcuts and things like that to still get a home-cooked meal. And Jeff, what about you? I guess uh, one of the things that we cook for a lot of functions in our uh, church and community, so uh, I know we do like 1,500 to 5,000 meals, so... We do a bunch of that, and I also like cooking like at home for a family and uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff like that. Wow, that's incredible. And so for me, hosting, um, I do enjoy cooking. I think it's kind of funny all the people that go on house hunters or whatever, and they say, oh, I need a good big kitchen because I love to cook. And I don't know that I would self-describe myself that way. It's, I think, been more out of necessity. I do enjoy cooking, obviously, or I wouldn't do it. But it's much more of the home cooked, um, let's see what we've got, make a meal out of it kind of thing. So, Lauren, in the beginning, you said that you started with snickerdoodles and sheet cakes. Is there a recipe now that you will pull out when someone says, hey, we're having a potluck and we need you to bring something? What would you pick? Um, actually, probably a sheet cake because it feeds a lot of people because it's so big. Um, that or brownies. Uh, I have a really big batch recipe for brownies. It's not really my recipe. It's Ina Garten's recipe. Oh, so. she's one of my faves. Yeah, <laughs> there. That's a it's a really good brownie. 
um, or some t- something not too fussy that doesn't like require a ton of icing or doesn't necessarily have to look very pretty. Those are good tips too, I think, because baking might sound intimidating, but I think it's actually maybe an easier way to get started because it has a recipe and it's yeah. important that you follow the recipe when baking. And some of them are fairly simple. Like you said, they don't have to be fussy. It's sort of a mix it up, place, and bake. And you don't have to be too afraid of it. Yep. So, Jeff, yours is entirely different when it comes to planning. You can't just throw things together for 5,000 people. (laughs) No, not really. Uh, Yeah, like uh, this weekend we cook for 1,500 people and fried chicken. So it's a pretty big undertaking, and it just takes a lot of people to get it done. But uh, with the organizations that we have, uh, we it's pretty easy because we have a lot of people that step up and want to volunteer. So uh, we all get together and we get it done. Yes, that's awesome. I've definitely had some of your tasty things, so I'm always impressed. Good. <laughs> Good. I, don't, I don't spend a lot of time on the grill, and I know grilling's different than smoking for sure. So when I grill something, it is it's just grilling. I don't spend... Uh, day and night out there <laughs> babysitting it for sure as a kid I grew up in south central Kansas r- very rural very remote the closest McDonald's or whatever was 60 miles away so I would say most people were home cooks or you you knew you were eating at home for sure and uh, my grandpa always said he'd rather pay the grocery bill than the doctor bill so we were raised with the idea that eating well was important for good health and I think that that's true and I think food just pretty much spans across all cultures demographics classes whatever I think we tend to use it to celebrate to for condolences and for for different things so it becomes just part of um, our way of life and we have so many conveniences too like Megan mentioned the meal kits for sure Um, but eating out is obviously too handy sometimes so it's nice to encourage people to eat at home when we can and that um, it doesn't have to be intimidating also the thing about cooking at home is to just go around the grocery store and see what's in season because that's God's awesome creation that things that are in season that are readily available at the time of year that we need them so for instance watermelon and tomatoes are natural sunscreen when you eat them it's from the inside out for sun protection which is really cool because they're always available in the summer and then similarly in the winter is when citrus is in season so we've got oranges and lemons and limes to give us that extra vitamin c we need during the winter months and grocery stores have things available all year round uh, of course but just shop those seasonal items have fun with that. That's really cool. I didn't know that watermelon and stuff was natural yeah. sunscreen. Yeah. So let's talk about kitchen horror story. <laughs> Lauren, can you recall a kitchen failure? Aside from burning the frozen broccoli, <laughs> <laughs> I, I put everything on the stove. You set it to simmer the meat that I was, was in the oven. And so I went and sat down and just started probably watching Real Housewives or something. And um, then I could smell something burning, and I thought, the chicken hasn't been in the oven long enough. (laughs) 
And I went in the kitchen and there was a fire on the stove. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Because all the water had evaporated out. And so my son had to come help me put it out. Uh, we threw flour on it. But basically, yeah, the water had evaporated out and the broccoli was burning. And we had a little bit of a fire. Oh, that's so. impressive. I bet that smelled amazing too. Yeah. <laughs> Burned yeah, broccoli. Even broccoli cooked right doesn't smell that great. So, <laughs> yeah. Megan, anything come to mind that didn't turn out too well? Well, the worst story I can think of was when I was first learning how to cook and being given freedom in the kitchen. Um, and I put a pot of water on to boil and turned on what I thought was that burner. I instead turned on the other burner uh, and there was a baking sheet with a spatula sitting on it for some reason. Um, came back because, or I walked away from it from a second, came back to the worst smell I had ever smelled in my life. Um, and the baking sheet and the spatula had melted together and it was starting to like I don't know what was happening in the baking sheet. It was like eroding or something. It was really strange. Um, but yeah, the whole house smelled quite disgusting. We had to open up all the doors and windows. And yeah, Megan was, uh, her freedom in the kitchen was taken back a little bit that day. <laughs> but, you know, we moved on. We got better. Yeah. Burned on fused plastic yeah. and <laughs> aluminum, not the best. Not good. Right. You could literally pick up the baking sheet with the spatula. It was right. just... Jeff? I guess uh, one of my biggest, I guess, horror stories of baking or cooking is uh, uh, I, I do a lot of uh, venison. We do, and I do a summer sausage, which is a process of stuffing the casing, and then you have to either cook it, and you can – there's several ways to cook it in a smokehouse, or you can do it in the oven. So I said, well, I'm going to try it in the oven in my shop, and fairly new stove and uh at that time i didn't know that i should have lined it with tinfoil first but i cooked it or baked it that way and uh it took me about four hours to clean the stove so that's probably one of the things i probably will never try again (laughs) but you learn as you go (laughs) yeah but the summer sausage did really turn out well and uh it's a process that i do every time now i bake in the oven takes about four hours but it turns out really well so you're a very patient person. <laughs> yeah, so I do have his, patience. Your horror story, you actually didn't even run the food. The food still turned out. No, the food was great. I, was gonna, I knew. I knew. I was like, it was just the cleanup have, was a little yeah. messy. He's not going right. to have any disaster. I knew it. <laughs> so what happened? Did things explode or was it just from? No, it's dripping? all the grease drips okay. out and it splatters everywhere. Uh-huh. And it gets on the burner and, and it's electric stove. So it, it's like I said, it took a while to clean it up. Yes, I guess so. What about you, Sherry? So in my attempt to prep, pre-prep, you know, for the holidays, I had made several dishes ahead of time, and then I covered them all carefully with plastic wrap and then foil over so they could sit in the fridge for a day or two, and then that way I could just bake them like the morning of. So I pull everything out, and I'm baking away, and yeah, I forgot to pull the plastic wrap off of a few things, so oh, no. that was... Cool. Pretty devastating. <laughs> I was like, well, no sweet potatoes, <laughs> no broccoli rice casserole. <laughs> oh, no. Unless you want it with a baked on yeah. layer of film. Uh, film. Just hold your serving together. I even looked at it thinking, how can I just scrape off the top part? I would have been wondering that, too. <laughs> <laughs> so back to recipes, though, most of the home cooking, uh, the advice given to by 
given to me by my grandma or my mom when I'd ask them later in life, you know, like, hey, how do you make this or that? They're like, well, you just put it in until it looks right. Yep. Okay, that so works. that's that's how you uh, figured it out. There wasn't a cup of this or a teaspoon of that. It was till it looks right, till it tastes right. Yeah. Yep. So that's a lot of my style. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I learned, I guess, about making like stews and different uh, big pot meals, uh, you can over-season stuff, and then it takes away the taste of it if it's over-seasoned. So what I do is I start out with a small amount of, you know, different seasonings, and taste as I go, and I, I finally get it to where uh, we're not a, we don't like a lot of salt, so we kind of back off of that, and uh, so that's the easiest way. I mean, a lot of people say we'll put three tablespoons of salt. Well, if it's too salty with three tablespoons, you can't take it out. So if you do a little at a time, you can't hardly mess it up. That's really good advice. You're very right about that. Yeah, my Poochie likes things really salty. And so he tends to try to cook that way. And I tell him, you know, salt is something people can add in their own. Make it to where everybody likes it, not yeah. just you. Yeah, we do probably all have our go-to spice rack or things in the fridge that we pull out. So I would say, aside from salt and pepper, what are some of your other staples that you always have to have on hand? I'm an Uncle Chris's person. I like the Uncle Chris's, and I use that on a lot of the seasonings because all the different spices that it has, like uh, potatoes and stews or anything, uh, I like to use that. And then uh, soup bases, a lot of people I make like pinto beans, and somebody asked me one time, said, what is that flavor that you have in there that I can't get? And I said, it's probably soup base. So I put uh, chicken soup base in my pinto beans, and it brings out a whole different taste. And that's the way my mother made it, and I kind of—that's the only way I do it now. And everybody really likes it. Mm-hmm. That is a surprise ingredient. So, speaking of your mom, what do you think about with um, you know your childhood, how you were raised, eating, and how that carried through? Yes, yeah. Your style now. Yeah, she taught me a lot, and I've watched her a lot, and she, she always did the cooking at home, and I think it passed down to me, and that's why I like to cook now, and I can see it going. My daughter is the same way. She likes to cook different things, different recipes, and she's pretty good at it. So uh, that's one of the things that I feel like. We always had a garden at home, and that's one of my favorite times is the springtime. We have fresh vegetables, uh, squash, and we grow just about every kind of vegetable, and uh, I like cooking that time of the year because it's all fresh, and I make my own tomato sauce, uh, stewed tomatoes, and I use that on everything I pretty well cook now. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You got it going on, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Between the garden, the venison, you're smoking your own stuff, yep. canning your own stuff. Self-sufficient. Yep. That's impressive. That's, a lot of that is a, a lost art i think too yeah uh, i grew up on the farm with in a my grandma lived out in the country they had corn they planted everything grew all their all their own food uh, cattle chickens and in the summertime i never even went home i stayed with her all three months during my summertime and uh you know we'd pick corn and we did everything that they did and uh i guess that's where it passed down to me and I still like deer sausage and venison, and I still do all that myself. And it's a lot of things that I learned from them. 
I, I do myself, and I'm trying to pass it on to my son now. And he, whenever I do something, he's there with me trying to trying to learn the things that I did. I love that. I think it's a Shiner thing too, isn't it? Just Shiner has, we get in trouble at the Shiner picnic at the auction because I bid on quite a few things and Poochie didn't realize he'd bid on some things this past year. We, with the Shiner church, got a good donation from us. But all I'm <laughs> That's thinking good. Of, Come back. Yeah, I know. All I'm thinking of is all these little old Shiner grandmas in their kitchens <laughs> making these things and I know they're going to be good. <laughs> Maybe that's why we broke the record this year. Uh, <laughs> Lord and Poochie. Thanks for the Cradlers. Yeah. yeah, one of the things I do do is uh, sauerkraut. And uh, a lot of people like sauerkraut. A lot of people don't. But uh, that's one of the recipes that I've learned from my grandmother. And uh, I still do it to this day. I still make my own homemade sauerkraut. And mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, that's one of my side dishes that I make. And uh, everybody loves it. They say, how do you get your sauerkraut to taste like that? I said, well, it's homemade. You can't get that out of a jar. <laughs> right. Wow, now that's different. I don't think I've ever had sauerkraut at Thanksgiving. But that's a good segue into thinking about the holidays coming up and associating food with our traditions. So sauerkraut is on the seagull table. Is that the, the family? Yep. What about you, Megan? What do you look forward to? Um, it's, it's a toss-up between my mom's broccoli rice casserole or my grandma's chocolate pie. So those are both, if they're not, like there have been times where my grandma doesn't make her chocolate pie and I'm like, it's Thanksgiving, hello, (laughs) what's happening? Um, But those are my two that I look forward to. Yeah, ours is, we have to have all the sides. I want the sweet potatoes with the marshmallows. I want my dad's dressing. I want the green bean casserole, and something that I get very upset if we don't have, so I've taken upon myself to bring it, and it requires no cooking skills at all, is the H-E-B brown and serve rolls. Because we've just always had them when I was a kid. And one year, my mom didn't get them because my mother-in-law had started coming to Thanksgiving, and she used to make homemade bread for everything. And she was like, well, Nana's going to bring bread. Oh, we don't need brown and serve rolls. And I was, I didn't want to offend my mother-in-law, but God, I was so disappointed. I didn't have these <laughs> bought H-E-B. You literally just butter the tops and put them in the oven for seven minutes. We do the, what are the sister Schubert's? Those that you get in the freezer oh, yeah, section, they're in a yeah. bag. No, these aren't name brand. They're not fancy. They're not expensive. They're like 57 <laughs> cents a package probably. That's the same ones we use. Yeah. <laughs> they say holidays all over <laughs> They say holiday, (laughs) meant to be. You know, it's funny, growing up as a kid, um, we had homemade rolls every day for lunch in the cafeteria. Dang. Yeah. So I want to go back to the sauerkraut (laughs) thing, because I know that's quite a process also, right? Fermenting and everything. And then I have another thought. So uh, it's it's really easy to make sauerkraut. Uh, What you do is you get the cabbage out of the garden, and you shred it, uh, you stick it in the cooler, and you put, for every 10 pounds, you put three tablespoons of salt, uh, and you leave it in the cooler for about three hours, stick it in a jar, put the lid on it, and that's your sauerkraut. That's one of the easiest recipes there is, yeah. Huh, interesting. But you don't add vinegar, it just ferments itself. No vinegar, it's just salt. Salt is the only thing you use. And then when you stuff it in a jar, I put dill. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's the only thing. It's very easy. 
uh, my grandma, she made it a lot in a crock pot, and they let it ferment in a crock pot with the rag on top for three weeks to a month. But uh, mine, I just stick in the jar, and you have to leave a little room in the jar for expansion. So, because if you don't, uh, you might have another kitchen explosion. <laughs> <laughs> so that can happen. I've done that before, <laughs> but it's it's really easy to make. Did you like sauerkraut when you were a kid? Yeah, I, I was, I'm really never been crazy about it, but I do like it. I mean, I'll eat it. See, so. like I couldn't stand it as a kid. My mom loved it, and she'd put it in like her buttered potatoes. And of yeah. course, if we had hot dogs or something, she wanted. But now that I'm, I don't know. I just developed a taste for it the older I got. And That's the same. My dad grew up. I mean, he's always loved sauerkraut, and he wants it for everything. But he's the only person in our family that liked it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I just developed a taste for it and so i'm like hey dad <laughs> want to make some sauerkraut <laughs> okay so now i'm going to switch gears to thinking about uh what would we call it a guilty pleasure i guess you like school cafeteria breakfast pizzas <laughs> i did that was as a child sherry <laughs> so my confession i guess would be when i was a kid and my mom worked at the bank and she'd have to go to a school or a training or something maybe for a few days my dad was in charge of feeding us and so he'd take us to the store and we could pick out a tv dinner <laughs> or like a pot pie which mm. were the best of course back then it all went in the oven so i'd buy this chicken pot pie and have to wait 45 minutes for it but yeah. i just remember that being such a treat to get <laughs> a yep. eat and eat meal i guess i would say mine is uh when I went to school, uh, we would go to my grandma's house every day after school, and uh, she would make cheese sandwiches, and that was one of my favorite. Every day when we got home, she had a cheese sandwich, and, you know, cheese sandwich don't seem like it's very much, but at that time, it was the best thing in the world because I guess we were playing in school and we were hungry, so when I got home, I was ready for my cheese sandwich. There you go. I will say, like I said, I like those breakfast pizzas, but my favorite breakfast that I ever got was something simple of my grandma, when she would take me to school, she would show up at our house with uh, a thing of juice and then uh, toast with butter and jelly. And it, I don't know why it was so good, but it was so simple and so good. I don't think I have a guilty pleasure. There's no food I've ever liked that I feel guilty about. I just... Food is love. It should, food is love. Yeah. shouldn't associate it with bad things or guilt. <laughs> I was a I was a fan of a cheese sandwich though. My mom would put those in my lunch yeah. on the days I didn't eat in the cafeteria. Just cheese and mayonnaise and white bread. You didn't have the little insulation packs or anything. It just sat in there till lunchtime and and I'm still alive. <laughs> the magic happens. Thinking about your sauerkraut expanding, I used to make homemade wine and. All oh, dang, Sherry. And so you'd have to put a balloon over the top so it wouldn't. Oh, yeah. I've had a few of those blow up in the house before. <laughs> <laughs> wine or sauerkraut? Sauerkraut. Uh, I mean, uh, wine. Oh. <laughs> wine, egg gluten quite fermented, and I guess they put the cork on it. Too so soon, it made quite an explosion. Okay, Lauren. So you would say your strong point is baking, and it was born out of necessity when you were Providing for kid, uh, teachers' gifts and things like that, and the compliments from your you sisters, can say of course. When I was poor, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So then I understand it evolved into where you were actually taking your baking on the road to competitions and things. Tell us about that. Well, I, it didn't really, was not on the road at first. Uh, Yoakum used to have Land of Leather Days, and that was the first competition locally that I knew of where they had a dessert or baking competition. And so I uh, entered that a couple of times and did pretty well. And Did you enter with? Um, the first year was pralines. Um, and the second year I did pralines. And I think I came back with the Scandinavian almond bars. Mm. Um, so then I was like, oh, this is fun. I can win things because I'm not very athletic and (laughs) (laughs) don't have a lot of, this is going to just sound horribly (laughs) sad, but don't have a lot of other skills. (laughs) Stop. I can win eating competitions and baking (laughs) competitions and that's about it. (laughs) Well, we can't all win those things. You're the winner. Yeah. Um, so then whenever, uh, I met my husband, he, uh, was telling me, that he was into barbecue cook-offs. And we just had all these different things in common. And I was like, oh, really? I like baking cook-offs and like cooking shows and stuff. So food was something we really had in common. And so when I started tagging along to barbecue cook-offs and things with him, um, the first one was a cystic fibrosis benefit cook-off in Kurth. And it is this man from Kurth, his... um, girlfriend that he used to have died of cystic fibrosis and so in his pasture he every year holds a cook-off and it's gotten huge now there's tractor pulls there's live music and band and everything but uh there's dutch oven cook-off and so i got a recipe for a pecan pie and decided to add chocolate chips to it because i'm not a big fan of pecan pie on its own and did it in a dutch oven and I won there, so done that one a couple of times. Usually my go-to is the chocolate chip pecan pie, but there was a year in Shiner where I did a chocolate chip pecan pie, and uh, I wanted to make it Shiner-related, so I did a ruby red bird poached pear pie. So that way I could say, oh, look, it's got Shiner beer in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I turned both of them in, and... One of them won second place, but I don't know which one because I didn't write on the back of the ticket which pie went with which. So I had the two tickets, and they call your number, basically, and I have no clue which pie won. But for me, pies are the easiest thing to do in a Dutch oven because a lot of people just assume, oh, I'll do cobblers because you just put the fruit in and you have a crust on top. But if you think of the Dutch oven like an actual oven and not as the actual pot that you're cooking in Mm. you can put another you know the pan inside the round pan the pie pan whatever and the way you cook on it is you um, use charcoal briquettes and each briquette is 25 degrees so you think of it as you would you know if you're doing 350 you just evenly distribute them on the bottom and then put them on the top of the lid so that way it bakes as evenly as possible you just have to watch it because they could cool off and sometimes you might have to add a little bit more so it's hard whenever you uh know that that is usually something you do well with it's hard to get adventurous and do other things like so unless you do two things that way you can maybe increase your chances mm-hmm. yeah so but there's not a lot 
of cook-offs that have that entry anymore. So, so Jeff, I know you um, are part of the cook team at GVC. Do you also yeah. do things on the side? Uh, I don't do a lot of competition, but you know, like I said, we do a lot of cooking. But I have done competitions with my brother-in-law in the past, and uh, we've, you know, Shiner, Sweet Home, and different areas. And uh, basically, I was helping him. So, and he's he's won a lot of contests. Uh, uh, the brisket was one of his biggest things. He's won a lot of competitions in brisket, and uh, I'm. I like cooking brisket, but it takes a long time to do. So, like, if on a Sunday, just to say that I would cook a brisket at home, uh, probably not because it takes a long time. And sometimes I don't have the patience, I guess, for that. But uh, I like doing, like, pork butts, uh, stuff like that I'll do. That takes four or five hours, and usually that uh, have a really good luck with that. So, but right now I don't do any competitions. We basically do it for uh, – you know, different functions for the church and the school now. Mm-hmm. So when you're cooking for large crowds, is it, what's the pit that you use and then what do you use at home? Uh, we have at our park there in Shiner, it's the Arthur Casper Pavilion, and we can cook 1,500 half chickens at a time on at one. We say one round, and so you can cook 1,500 and without having the second batch put on, and it's it's like you said, it's you have to have quite a few people manning that because it takes a lot, putting in the coals, flipping the chickens, and uh, but it it works really well. And at home, I have just uh, a smoker. I have a pit that I built myself with a smoke box, and uh, I've kind of mastered that, I guess I'd say. So, uh, but it works really well. Don't have a uh, Traeger or anything like that. I've never adventured out into that. And uh, I like the real wood myself, the mesquite and uh, oak wood. That's what I like cooking with. Okay, Megan. So you're not cooking for 1,500 people. I'm not. Generally. No. <laughs> but you have had some experience with some of the meal kits. Tell us what what you've liked or so what to think about with those. I, I mean, like we talked about earlier, I'm just cooking for me and trying to figure out what I'm going to make throughout the week is, is challenging because unless I'm making like a casserole or something that can last for a while, it's hard to kind of plan out, you know, what's going to work great for lunches, what's going to, you know, what can I have for supper, things like that. But what I like about the meal kits is the one that I really liked was HelloFresh, um, but you can order a box per week that comes with however many meals you choose. I think you can do two to six meals, I think, and then two to four servings per each of those meals. And so for me, if I just got like three meals a week with two servings, it gave me a lot of leftovers to have because their serving sizes are also not um, normal. They're a little large because I always have a lot left over. Um, But like I said earlier, I like it for the simplicity of they give you everything you need. You're not having to go to the store and find things. And, you know, a lot of times when I shop for food on H- at HEB, they may not have it or it's something totally different. I don't know what I'm looking for. So they send you everything. Um, and then they give you step-by-step step to make. So I've made things that I never thought I'd ever make. Like I've made shepherd's pie. I've made risotto. I've made... Um, different uh cultural dishes things like that and things that some things i'd never heard of 
Yeah, that's but, great. That's a good way to try something different, like you mm-hmm. said, and especially if the ingredients aren't um, right, you know, familiar to you, or it's not something that yeah. they might just have here in town. Then you could yeah get it all and have it ready and well, and it helps you too because like I had always heard how intimidating uh, risotto was, and it's just oh, it's this big complex. It's not complex; it just takes time. Um, but so before I had ordered it through HelloFresh, I would have never been like, yeah, let's go get the ing- ingredients for that and try it. But it it was super simple and it turned out really good. I like those meal kits just for the, like I said, the ease of cooking. So which yeah, one, like, like you've tried the different brands? I have tried HelloFresh and I did, I got gifted a box because you know how like people can send out referral boxes or whatever. I got gifted a Blue Apron box, I think it was. Um, but I, I stuck with HelloFresh. It was it was really, really nice. And they send it all to you in a cold box with ice packs galore. <laughs> like the whole box is insulated and has like 12 different uh, sizes of ice packs in there to keep everything cold and fresh. And that, and that, I mean, hello fresh, but all the ingredients were super fresh, like all the vegetables and the, the spices and things that they send. None of it was crappy. It's all really <laughs> That's really good, good to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've not Next tried week. those, but probably the closest thing I've gotten is I draw inspiration from some cooking shows. I really only like to watch one person. And um, the curbside from HEB. I've really enjoyed that. So I've noticed that when I add things to my cart, there might be some recipes below, but that's been a major shortcut for me is having that curbside option for sure. Um, Initially, I wasn't too sure I needed it because I enjoyed going into the store and, you know, seeing what looked good and picking things out. But there's so many things I just buy on a routine and regular basis that now I'm all about the curbside. That's so. almost all I do now. But in addition to the curbside and then just having some staple things at home that I know or I'm familiar with the recipe, well, recipe air quotes, um, dishes that I know can come together in a pretty short amount of time, like 30 minutes or so. It makes cooking at home much easier, much more convenient, not so intimidating. Yeah. My tips for being a home cook in addition to the curbside, just having some staple things on hand. So in thinking about the holidays coming up, and we could talk about all the decadent and delicious food, um, I'd like to know what's your favorite holiday to cook for, or maybe you don't like to cook for it, but you like to eat it. So uh, you can tell us that too. But Jeff, what about you? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday to cook for, or just favorite holiday overall. Uh, it's the time of the year my mom always did thanksgiving at her house had all of our family over and she would do all the cooking and my mother's getting a little older and uh, me and my daughter said we want to learn how to make your dressing because we everybody loves her dressing and so one day she come over to our house and we bought all the ingredients and she sat down with us and we made her dressing, and it's this is seven years now that we've been making it, me and my daughter, and uh, it's pretty close. It's <laughs> actually really close. And uh, she told me, she said, uh, "I really can't taste any difference from mine." So, so it's wow. getting close. But uh, uh, when me and my wife got married, 
we have both of our families come together at Thanksgiving. So we have 40, 40 people over. And so I do, me and my daughter and my wife, we do all the cooking for Thanksgiving. Do the turkeys, hams, uh, I usually barbecue. So uh, it's just a special time for me. I just love that time of the year. And, yeah. And uh, so it works out really well. Megan, do you like to cook for any occasion, or any holiday? I don't. I don't have a specific holiday that I like cooking for. Um, I recently have taken over. You know, I mentioned my grandma's chocolate pie earlier. I've recently taken over making that for uh, Christmas. Um, and then my sister and I, not last year but the year before, um, went down to my grandparents' house and learned how to make her dressing because that's the big staple for everybody in our family too. They love my grandma's dressing. And if you know my grandma and her cooking skills, it's intimidating to take over anything from her. And so that was, but that was a really fun thing for us to go and do because she and my grandpa kind of tag team the cooking for the, for the dressing. And so their, their relationship is hilarious to me. They crack me up every single time. Um, but to you know, be able to be with them and share that experience and um, learn to make that dressing recipe to you know continue on for the future was that's, those are my two items that I like cooking because they're both passed down and they're both things that hold really precious memories. So that's sweet. And one way you can ensure to always have a chocolate pie. Exactly, <laughs> you're in charge of I it. I will always have chocolate. Pie. <laughs> so Lauren, aside from the brown and serve rolls. Are you responsible for anything else uh, at a holiday? Uh, yeah, we've kind. Of, my sisters and I have divvied up the side dishes. My dad still does the turkey and dressing, and we've divvied up the sides, and um, and still the desserts. So, um, my dad's favorite is praline, so I have to make pralines. Um, I make chocolate chip pecan pie. I will say that I will always have a Mrs. Smith's pumpkin pie because that is my mother's pumpkin pie recipe. <laughs> and so it is, I don't think I've had uh, or been able to make a pumpkin pie that I actually liked better because that's the one I grew up with. And then usually I'll try to find a new dessert recipe. So it's usually quite a bit of baking mm -hmm. and it's kind of tiring because my husband, they started a tradition before I came along that they do their Thanksgiving night, the Wednesday night, their Thanksgiving dinner, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving that evening. And it turned into a big thing where they might have between 40 and 100 people show up. Um, they rent the little VFW hall or whatever it is. And um, they'll do the dressing and the turkey and kind of family and friends. It kind of became like a big Friendsgiving, but it's, what they did with their family because I think the story goes that my father-in-law enjoyed hunting and had a group that liked to go on a hunting trip and leave on Thanksgiving morning. So he told his wife, we should probably do Thanksgiving Wednesday night. So that way Jean can have Thanksgiving with Jackie's family. Mary Ellen can have it with Scott's family and then he got to go hunting on Thursday morning. So um, the Cridler Thanksgiving has been that Wednesday night. And I don't like, like if I'm going to bake for Wednesday, I'll bake it Tuesday night. 
And then I'll usually come home from the Cradler Thanksgiving and bake for Thursday because I want everything to be fresh. Mm-hmm. And then I have this this guilt thing where I feel like I have to do an even amount of effort for both Thanksgivings. <laughs> so whatever I bake for one, I'll bake for the other, or at least the same amount. Um, and But it's exhausting, but it's definitely my favorite. My favorite thing to eat, though, is my niece makes Oreo nuggets with the ground-up Oreos and cream cheese, and you dip it in almond bark. That's my my favorite. Yeah, that's my favorite dessert. So So there's lots of um, dishes that are regional, you know, depending on where you've lived in the state, in the country, in the world. But chili, I think Texas chili has some certain rules around it. Beans or no beans, Jeff? No beans. No potatoes. Beans. Potatoes. Potatoes in our chili. We don't. We don't make it without it. Chunks of potatoes. Chunks of potatoes. I've never had that. I've heard Try of it. it. It's pretty common, but I've never heard delicious. of potatoes. But I've never done. I it. I mean, I've eaten chili over a baked potato. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And very little chili. Uh, chili powder. Oh. Okay. But I'm with Jeff. No beans. Okay, Lauren. Okay, so I like chili with beans because my dad made it like that but no for a competition definitely no beans but usually if you're cooking at a competition you're going to have a chili and a bean category and i'll end up mixing the two when i sit down to eat it <laughs> oh there you go <laughs> or it's like i'll make my own yeah. mm-hmm. i grew up with beans i prefer no beans but i do like bigger chunks of tomato and of course you got to add beer to it oh yeah or just drink it on the side <laughs> <laughs> that works better <laughs> Or both. Yeah, or both. Uh, pizza. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Definitely yes. Oh, my God, no. Actually, now that you said it, last night we had pizza from the Italian place. Uh, it was the chicken pizza, chi- chicken Alfredo pizza. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked my daughter, I said, where's the pineapple? She goes, ooh, that don't sound good. No, my sister loves pineapple on her pizza. It's just, ugh. I like pineapple on pizza. Oh, my God. There's, I like I'm, it, too. Yeah. <laughs> you guys make me sad. <laughs> Apparently, that's how the Hawaiians eat it. Yeah. Yeah. So, wings. Bone-in, boneless. And if they're boneless, does it really just make them a nugget? <laughs> bone-in. Wings. Same. Bone-in. Yeah, bone-in. And, <laughs> and the flats versus the... Drumsticks. Yeah. Okay. So, we're also in... Uh, Cattle country on preparing a steak. How how do you like it prepared? I like mine medium because I don't like the bloody. I guess you would say. Uh, and uh, if it's overdone, it's not good at all. So I, I medium well is probably what I order every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go between medium, medium well. I go medium rare because more than likely they're going to overcook it. Oh, well, that's a good point. Higher on more on the medium rare, uh, well side, medium well. Okay, tacos, crunchy or soft? Crunchy. Soft. Crunchy. I like both. I like to put the flour (laughs) tortilla around. (laughs) Porque no las dos. (laughs) So what we've learned is cooking is not necessarily for everyone, but there's different ways to be a good home cook. You can do it for... Um, community involvement, no matter what your skill level is, you can jump in there and get involved. You can order meal kits and 
build up your confidence that way, or you can focus more on baking and have that be your love language to share with others. Or you can be the home cook who just is willing to experiment with different things and um, most importantly, just bring people together and have a good meal. Thank y'all very much for joining us. I hope y'all had a good time sharing your culinary skills with the rest of us and hope you have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening to this episode or have ideas on how we can make this podcast more interesting, just email gvecunplugged at gvec.org with your feedback. Be sure to subscribe to the GVEC Unplugged podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or Overcast to be notified when new episodes are released. Take care of each other, GVEC team, and stay safe till next time.